Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. The story that we're going to look at today is a story that is known to us, but one that I hope we can highlight some areas that can speak to us in a new way. Today we're going to be talking about Beloved. And as we just heard in this video, we are beloved. God loves us, and because He loves us, He has given up everything for us. One of the beautiful things in the story in which we are in is that there was a disciple that he called beloved, and that was John. And John was the youngest of the 12, and he was the one that Jesus had a real affinity with in terms of loving him like a younger brother. And in the story in which we're in, Peter and John are the ones who hear the news and then make their way to the tomb. So let's read that together as it's found in John chapter 20 and beginning at verse 1. And it says that early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so she ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And then Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. And they were both running. But the other disciple, which is John, outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. But he stops, and he looks in. And he sees the linen wrappings lying there, but he doesn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived, and he went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from all the other wrappings, and then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home, Simon Peter and John, the beloved. In the story in which we are in, we see that they run to an empty tomb. And sometimes it feels like in this life, that's what we're doing. We're just running. And we're running often not just towards things that are empty, but we're running on empty. We feel like we're empty. We feel like we don't have much to not only rely on, but also that which we need to be refreshed by, that which can also enable us to keep running in this life that is so frantic. Let's just look at what we've been through the last four years, let alone the last four days. It seems that every time we are out of something, something else comes after us. 
Something else is there to challenge us. Something else is there to bring chaos to us. The story is about them running, but to make matters worse, they're not running to a tomb that Jesus is in. They're running to an empty tomb, and that isn't good news when they hear it. What it does is that it shows them that there's just strips of linen. There's no body. There's no Jesus. It's a defeat upon defeat. Not only did they have to go through the crucifixion, the scatteredness of all of their plans and, and even of their disciples, but now they find themselves not even having anything to hold on to and to cling to. Defeat upon defeat. Have you ever been on one of those losing streaks? Have you ever felt like nothing is going your way? It's like one thing after another, and you keep asking yourself kind of like, what else can go wrong? And then something else does. It's like you're afraid to even wish for good things, to say or pronounce good things. You keep looking for wood to knock on, for salt to throw. You're looking for a good luck charm. You're hoping that's going to come somehow, some way. You're doing whatever you think is going to help you by not only having positive thoughts, but lifting up positive prayers. You're doing whatever you can to try to bring luck your way. But imagine what the disciples were experiencing when grief was being poured out upon more grief. I mean, they were actually involved in a foot race to nothing. They weren't going to experience anything. They were just going to a place that had nothing to offer them. And that's what sometimes life can feel like. It's more about the fear of what we will find rather than the race that we are running to receive God's favor. And I want us to believe that arriving first sometimes has some kind of, of benefit. It has some kind of blessing. I don't know if you are a runner. The only thing I run to these days is the fridge. But if you are athletic and you love to stay active and you love to run, then I know that you love doing it no matter what the weather is. It doesn't deter you. You go out and you get the work done. You love it. It's something that's a part of you. I know people like this, people who will run miles and miles no matter what the weather is. And they cannot find a reason to stay in because the reasons to go out outweigh whatever it is that's wanting to keep them in. Sometimes it's the opposite for us. The, the things that are holding us back just kind of outweigh the reasons to get out, to believe, to do things differently, to experience life in another way. God is trying to push us to new levels, but we're unfortunately so beaten down and, and tired of running to nothing that we just imagine that it's just going to be more of the same. And so we stop believing. We stop having faith. We stop trusting that God still has favor for us that he can still do something in us, do something for our relationship, do something for our health, do something for our finances, that he can still do something in our families, that he can still restore, that he can still do that which we trouble believing, which is resurrect dead things and bring them back to life. But God wants us to, to run, but he wants us to run believing and trusting 
that when we do arrive, that we're not going to do what John did. And John won the foot race to the tomb, but then he didn't have the courage to go in. He stayed on the outside, and he did nothing. And he waited for Peter to go in first. And once Peter went, then something happened in him that caused him to want to go in too. And sometimes it's happened to us in other areas of our life. You know, like we, we get there first, but then we freeze. We panic. We're filled with fear. We don't know what the next thing is that's going to happen, so we end up doing nothing. We stay on the outside, and then someone else just goes in before us. Has that ever happened to you? You see, God understands all of these things, and all of these meanings in the story are supposed to speak to us and touch us in a place of our past. But it's also supposed to instruct our present and prevent the same thing from being repeated in the future. See, God is addressing these issues so that he can give us the victory that we need and, and so that when we do arrive, that we aren't filled with fear, but we're filled with boldness and faith to step into the unknown. And whatever it is that's in that room, whatever it is that is in that tomb, whatever it is that is in that place, whatever it is that is in that person, that we are not going to be afraid to go there. And we're going to see what it means to put our faith in God and to trust in his favor. You know, suffering the loss for those disciples only to have it get worse just increased the questioning. You know, every life decision. And, and it just made it so that this experience wasn't going to be a good day. I mean, this is the day of the resurrection, but it isn't a good day for them. The news they got, they just took it in a bad way. And I wonder how often does that happen in our own lives? Where the Lord has risen, today is the best day ever, but the only thing that we can see is still the death of the previous days. The only thing that's still in our mind is the brokenness and the shattered suffering of all that we've been through. And so we can't celebrate that morning. We can't celebrate that day. We can't wake up and experience new things because everything from the previous days is just still holding us back. And yet Jesus is still risen. But nothing had changed in Simon Peter's life. Nothing had changed even in John's life. No matter how much Jesus loved John on earth, John still couldn't love Jesus back to the point where he could get into the tomb first. And I need us to see that because I feel like sometimes we, 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 we misunderstand how much God loves us and, and how much he's patient with us in loving us because people have given up on us and we've given up on ourselves. And people have stopped loving us so often in our lives that we stop believing in love. And we can't imagine a love that is this powerful, that, that they would be this good, that it would be this wholesome, that it would be this capable of restoring and, and once again reigniting our faith in God. But in this account, John is telling us that the cross and the empty tomb must speak 
to our suffering. And I think that we can't bypass that. We can't get beyond it. It has to speak to our suffering. And, and the reason it has to speak to our suffering is that you cannot experience the power of the resurrection unless you go through the suffering of the cross and the empty tomb. You see, you're not going to feel like today is a good day. You're not going to feel like tomorrow there is hope. You're not going to feel like you can have faith. Why? Because the cross and the empty tomb is what you are still living and experiencing that you're still in and not getting past. But at the same time, it hasn't informed you to the point where now when you look back on that pain, you look back on that suffering, you look back on everything that you've been through, everything that people have put you through, everything your bad decisions have done to you, everything that has happened in your life to bring suffering to you and to others, it's going to bring you to the place, all of that, where you're going to be able to announce the power of the resurrection like never before. Because you've been through all of that. Because it has informed what is now going to happen next. You see, the emptiness of the tomb is there to proclaim what it means that Christ is risen. And if the tomb isn't empty, then we don't know that he's alive. And what that tells me is that when I'm living my life and I realize the emptiness of what it actually is, then I turn away from the empty tomb back to the risen Jesus. I look at the emptiness that this life has to offer me and the pain and the suffering that it's brought me, the death that it brought into my life, and then I see that it can't hold me there. Just like it couldn't hold Jesus there, it's not going to hold you there. It's not going to keep you living that. It's not going to be your story. It's not going to be your narrative. It's not going to be the way that people will remember you because God is about to turn things around for you. But you've got to go through the suffering and the empty tomb to be able to experience it. There's something that people don't know about the Christian faith. And one of those things is that it is the only faith in the world that confesses a God who suffers. Because we have a suffering God, we naturally, obviously, would prefer that we would have a God who would prevent suffering. But what God does is that he shows that he is a suffering God, that he suffers for us. And he suffers extreme brutality at the hands of his own creation to show us that he is that suffering God and that that is not going to hold him back from being able to bring the power of the resurrection into each of our lives. You see, the cross and the empty tomb teach us that he doesn't want to force us to make choices for him and and that we don't need to always misinterpret and misunderstand how human pain, while we keep living it, isn't what is going to ultimately define us. 
the pain that is here on this earth. You see, the cross and the empty tomb are given to us because they are going to speak to us about the victory. The victory that God wants to give you so that you can have a new understanding of this and no longer see it like you have possibly up until today. Jesus reveals that the power to pick up the shattered pieces of our lives and put them back together to make something beautiful is what he is about. I, I want you to think about the shattered pieces, the things that cannot be put back together. And I want you to see that Jesus does something in this story that is so unique. Jesus is now glorified. He comes back with a different body than the one he had. It is now one that is able to live on earth, but it's also one that has been prepared for where the Father is. And what's interesting about Jesus is that his body could have been healed back to its original state. In other words, the, the nails that had been put through his hands and his feet and the spear that had been put in his side, when the body of Jesus gets glorified in the resurrection, his body could have been restored back and made whole. But there's something about Jesus needing to keep the nail-pierced hands and feet. The spear that went through his side, all of those things, those scars, which could have disappeared, Jesus keeps them. And I want you to understand that in the same way that we walk around this life a little wounded, scarred, that when we look back, the pain isn't ever completely gone, even if the scars remain and speak to the story of how we were once too wounded. There are some things that still, when we think of them, hurt us as if it is the first day that it happened. And, and we think that God doesn't understand us. You have in Jesus a suffering Savior. He has kept those scars because he wants you to know that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is that you may face one day, that he gets you, he understands you, and he loves you, and he's always ready to show you how much that is true by revealing his nail-scarred hands to you. You see, in John 20, in verse 19 to 21, this is what happens. The disciples are all gathered together and Jesus walks into the room and he says that that Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They thought that they would too be arrested and been brought out and tried. And then suddenly Jesus was there, standing there among them. And he says, peace be with you, he said. And then as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And then he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Can we say amen to that? Isn't that beautiful? He knew that they would need to see those signs. And I need to, I need to know that Jesus is with me. I need to know that he gets me. I think you need that too. I think you need to, to know that he cares about your suffering. He cares about your pain that he sees your wounds and he sees your scars 
And he sees where in your life you still need to be healed. He sees where it is that you're struggling in your faith and where it is that you no longer believe that God can give you favor. He sees all of that. And today I, I pray that he, he shows up in this room and he shows up to you and he shows you the scars that are there to remind us that Jesus is always able to put the pieces of our broken lives back together again and make it beautiful. Can you believe that for yourself? That he can do that? That he's going to do it with those nail-scarred hands. He's going to take those broken pieces and he's going to bring them back together and he's going to make your life beautiful. That's what he promises. That's why he kept them. That's why he still has them. That's why he wants us to understand them because that is the power of the resurrection for us today. It is Jesus standing in our midst with those scars. He could have made himself perfect again, but he let himself stay imperfect so that he could welcome us misfits into the kingdom of heaven. So that he could welcome us, all of us, who don't belong, who are never good enough, all of us who are all broken in one way or another, back into what it means to be in a relationship with him. And he declares his peace over us. Do you want Jesus to declare his peace over your life right now? Just like he did over them. You know, when, when Jesus declares peace, then that's what you experience. I, I don't know where you're troubled. I don't know where you've been suffering. I don't know where you're in pain, where you've been wounded. I don't know where your life is shattered and broken and in pieces. I don't know where it is that you need this, but I believe that Jesus is here to declare peace over your life and to say, from now on, what I want you to experience is peace, no longer brokenness. I want to take this suffering and turn it into something beautiful. Anybody else want that today? Anybody else need that today? To have that declared over your life? Let Jesus do that right now. Let him welcome you into that space so that you can experience it. And so let's just pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you give us to understand a little better about what it means to experience the victory of the resurrection and to have that in a practical way just made real in our lives. I pray that today, Lord, that we would see your favor. We would have the faith to believe in that favor, to have you declare peace over all of us. Thank you for what you've done for each person here today already. That today may have not been a great day, just like it wasn't for, for Peter and John, but that was the day that you had risen from the dead, and they missed it. They didn't know that that had happened. They were still stuck in their brokenness. Lord, I don't want anyone to be stuck in the past here. I don't want anyone to be stuck in their pain and in their suffering and in their brokenness. That's not what you want for us. That's not what you want for any of us. And just like they could have missed it, Lord, I pray that we don't miss this opportunity right now to experience your peace as you speak it over us in this place. Thank you for that peace, Lord. Thank you for that victory. 
Thank you that you have risen today. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.